Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast at moresportsnow.com. I'm John McAlevey, and I'm joined with my colleague Matt Lachlan here in our Westfield studios. Today we're excited to have special guest Adam Zucker, CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network's sportscaster extraordinaire, and also a Jersey guy. Adam, <laughs> thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. I guess we should probably start right at the top with a good friend of ours. Bill Purdy is someone that I've known for probably 20-something years or so. And uh, I got to know him through a uh, through an injury at Kessler Institute. He had the same type of thing. And we've been friends for a long time. And he told me a couple of years ago, hey, John, you got to meet my next door neighbor down at LBI. He's a CBS sports football guy. And, you know, for a couple <laughs> of years, we kind of went back and forth and he didn't further pursue it. But uh, we were able to put something together now. And it uh, it really worked out great. Tell me a little bit about Bill and your experiences with him. Well, I think he's amazing, and uh, you know, we, it's funny because we we've traditionally gotten come down to the shore on weekdays, and he'll come down on weekends, and we always had enough trouble trying to sync up our schedules. And he he'd get he'd head out in the boat, and I'd kind of be a little more tied down with our kids when they were a lot younger. Uh, our kids are just a little just a click younger than his, which now it seems mm-hmm. like nothing. But when you have a one year old and your friend is a four year old, you're in two different worlds, you know. Right. Um, but you know. Now he's he's also become a photographer extraordinaire. It's amazing. Uh, I'm a sportscaster extraordinaire. He's a photographer extraordinaire. And I was <laughs> actually just hitting him up on Facebook. He was posting pictures of uh, from LBI that he took just kind of while on a shoot with his friend. Amazing. I'm like, Man, you, you've got to make a calendar. Mm-hmm. You've got you should be selling calendars. He goes, oh, I'll make you one. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I would be very grateful to have an LBI calendar that Billy Purdy's photographers uh photographs are in right but i mean it's the stuff is sellable like the new causeway went in down lbi so if we're talking jersey like people go to lbi they know that this this new causeway is taken for a long time mm-hmm. and he actually plotted he's he's very familiar with the astrological timing of things and he went down for the perfect day where the sun was going to be setting right in between the two spurs yeah. of the causeway. And so he posted pictures of Causeway Henge. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's an everyman. He's sort of a throwback. And uh, he really is a terrific guy. And so I told him, thank him again for uh, for pulling this all together. And uh, so with, with that disclaimer out of the way, haha, why don't well, we... Well, you know what? Yeah. To add to the disclaimer, his father knew the guy who really got me into sports as a kid really so yeah so my dad you know gosh i mean my dad has obviously had a major role in everything in my life Mm -hmm. but my dad wasn't like into you know my dad my dad always had trouble we laughed about it how my dad would have trouble throwing a football and and so my dad worked with a guy named john kessler and he was his one of his like top selling top salesmen at a company that has since been bought but John Kessler and Billy Purdy's father, Ed, they knew each other in uh, in high school, college. Uh, I think it was high school, playing football and baseball together. So John Kessler was a football player at Monmouth University and now has his name on the stadium there. Wow. And because we didn't have uh, opening week games last couple of years for CBS, which is like a whole other story. Yeah. I was able to go to the opening of Kessler stadium, but he's a guy who, when I was a kid, he's the guy who would have me and my dad come to go to giants games. So, you know, we're around the same age. You remember the game where giants playing the 49ers, Joe Montana throws it over the middle. Jerry Rice catches it and he's on his way to the end zone. And then he fumbles the ball. 
Yes. Same game, same same game. Jim Burton knocked Joe Montana out, and the mm-hmm. Giants won like forty nine to three. Like I was at that game because of John Kessler, who, who the Purdy's knew growing up. So, yeah, it's uh, been quite the quite the infinity symbol between our between the two sides of the fence down there. Yeah, well, that's a great story. Here's the other thing: Ed Purdy was the high school hockey coach at Livingston High School as yes. high school hockey was just kind of getting a toehold on the scene. And now in New Jersey, for a lot of reasons, the Devils being here in the state uh, has expanded its popularity. But Ed was there and he coached the state championship team. So it is a very small world. There are six degrees of separation, but I think four in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know what? You're right because of our population density. And because my my dad grew up in Livingston. And so his sister's kids all had Ed Purdy as a gym teacher. And when I told Ed, yeah, you know, the Augusts, those are my cousins. He's like, oh, no way. Ben August, greatest kid I ever had. Unbelievable. You know, it, was, it was great. And, and Ben, Ben's a screenwriter now and doing great things in, in the scripted world. But he was a big hockey guy and a big soccer guy. That's terrific. Well, it sort of leads me into my first question for you. Uh, I'm sure like Matt and myself and many others uh, in this sports business, uh, there came a time when you figured out that you were not going to be a professional athlete. And uh, I wonder what around what grade did that happen? And then did you make the conscious effort to to see if you could work then behind the mic, get involved in sports somehow? Was that the goal from an early age? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in mountain lakes. I played football for a couple of years and then heading into the sophomore summer, we all met with coach Wilkins, Doug Wilkins, who recently passed away. Pardon me. The home phone's ringing here. No worries. Hang it up. Um, he, he passed away recently. In fact, he passed away right before the mountain lakes lacrosse team went ahead and beat summit and then beat Del Barton for the state championship mm-hmm. and coach, Coach Flynn, who's coached the the U.S. team, he uh, he was actually Doug Wilkins' first assistant, first hire as a football assistant. So right after Doug died, Mountain Lakes had this improbable run to the state championship where they just destroyed Del Barton. So we would all meet with Coach Wilkins after our freshman year, heading into sophomore summer. And um, I I you know was very into football, but I was also very into other stuff. And uh, I told Coach Wilkins that, you know, he's like, you know, what are your plans for the summer? Told him I was going to be heading out west for eight weeks of backpacking and camping and whatnot. And I'd be coming back mid-August. Mid-August, well, you're going to miss all the training. You're going to miss all the, uh, you're going to miss a lot of the weightlifting and practices, triple sessions. You know, he's like, you had a good freshman year. I'm surprised to hear that. So, you know, you know, when you come back, you'll have to catch up, but it's going to be hard to, you know, See, you know, it's going to be hard to have you as a starter on the JV team. I was not going to be a starter on the varsity as a sophomore. Hardly anyone would be because uh, back then the numbers were so great participation wise. But, you know, he said, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to you know, have you as a starter and playing time might be an issue. And I said, all right, well, we'll see when I get back. Well, when you're 15, you get back from eight weeks out west camping and uh, doing all kinds of cool stuff. You, you know, you just want to keep you just want to stay barefoot in the backyard is right. you, know, you don't really want to put on cleats and hit people. So I had a, a second meeting with him and I just said, look, you know, here's what I want to do with my life. And I love football. Um, you know, I, I, I just didn't have it in me at that moment to be in the grunt and, uh, and, and going through all the, all the stuff. Now I regretted it for years, but that was around the time I basically 
decided I wasn't going to play anymore. I thought maybe I'd go back the next year. But instead, he let me hang around the team, keep stats, shoot video, call the stories into the Daily Record and the Star Ledger and all that stuff. And uh, from there, you know, our opportunities were pretty pretty slim in Mountain Lakes versus other other bigger schools with media programs. So I could write for the, st- the school newspaper and I could do the morning announcements. And and so that was kind of the uh, the experience I had. But I always had a great relationship with him. A lot of kids often um, kind of feared him. Uh, as like the grandfather, you didn't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a bad fear. You just, you know, you just so much respect for the guy. You didn't want to let him down. So I guess I let him down early. And uh, from there, I would see him every morning in the office doing the morning announcements. And we always, always had a good relationship from there. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot in high school, being on the football team or in some towns now, especially Mountain Lakes, the lacrosse team is a big part of being like an alpha dog or an accepted male student and uh and so it's 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 kind of a big deal when when you are already on the football team and decide yeah, i'm gonna go a different path here and i'll always remember that years later when i came back to town to do a little presentation on my career thus far at the local church for the seniors group and they had like a little advertisement on the on the one little billboard uh in mountain lakes as you get into town at at the city center there at the one stoplight, you know, it's Adam Zucker discusses his television careers. You know, this is like before I even got hired by CBS, I was still in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But anyway, I show up, I'm setting up the VCR, making sure my tape didn't break. I had a backup on me just in case, cause you never knew back then front row, Doug Wilkins right there. And, uh, and it was really cool. And, yeah, okay. uh, really cool to have him there no no what a great story and doug just a a giant of a man in the high school coaching ranks uh mountain lakes always a power both in football and as you mentioned in lacrosse so we had a colleague of yours from cbs andrew catalan on a couple of weeks ago and oh oh yeah he told a somewhat similar story his first break in the business was doing the public address announcing in milburn for the pal football games on sunday the point being it does spark that interest but then for you i guess when you went to Syracuse that's really where it took hold for sure uh so yeah I mean Andrew and I very similar uh, upbringings I'd say in fact I get to do the Mountain Lakes public address announcing now on homecoming weekend they bring me up there to do it which very is really nice. cool yeah so no I mean I went to Syracuse early early decision that whole thing like it was just it, it checked all the boxes for me and um and I was lucky enough to get in I got I got the acceptance letter right as we were leaving for a little like winter trip up to Vermont. And it was the quickest six hour ride of my life driving up the smugglers notch, having just gotten into the college I wanted to. And so, uh, yeah, I remember first, first game I went to, uh, the one year I was there when McNabb wasn't there, mm-hmm. uh, we lost to Oklahoma. We had a six, nothing lead at the half. Oklahoma got a field goal at the very end of the game to beat us. Tennessee's national championship year, 1998, Will Allen got called for a pass interference on a fourth down play that would have ended the game. And it was years later, I was working with Phil Fulmer and he admitted that it, there was no pass interference. <laughs> and, uh, and and Tennessee got lucky, not just that game, but another one against my current colleague, Houston Nutt, when his guy fumbled, trying to just kneel out the clock in an upset. So, I uh, yeah, Syracuse is where it took hold. It's where I, where I met Andrew, Adam Shine, Carter Blackburn, you know, a lot of guys working uh, under the CBS umbrella now. No and, doubt. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, and, it's and the you, mafia. You hear, <laughs> everybody hears about the Syracuse, the Newhouse School of Public Communications and all. Tell us 
you know, take us through what some of the curriculum you guys have to go through. I mean, it's not just you getting you on the radio and you're calling basketball games and football games, but what are some of the other stuff that uh, is sort of a day in the life as a student at Syracuse in that program? You know, it's interesting. I think you could go there, I, I, and I've said this many times. I think now with the technology being what it is, where you could use your iPhone as your broadcast, you know, beam me up type of uh, <laughs> technology. I mean, you look at a guy like Clay Travis, for example. You can you can go anywhere, and, and and get it done. Now, Syracuse will teach you what journalism really is, and the ethics involved, and how to shoot, how to use a camera. Which is which is very important for when you're getting your first job. When I graduated, it was just becoming where people were going to have to shoot their own video uh, in almost every regard, especially sports. But now it's even gone into the news world that way. Uh, there was a vocal performance class that was a lot of fun, but you also learned how to like perform in front of people. And I had a little bit of a stage fright thing to to conquer when uh, when I, I think when I first got into it. But there's just so many opportunities. Like there's good relationships with the local TV stations where I got my internship, which was just exactly, I mean, it was exactly the path to my first job. Radio opportunities at the student station at Syracuse for sports play-by-play, which now it seems more commonplace. You know, even even all these conferences with their own networks where, you know, if you're at Georgia and want to do play-by-play you, and you work your way and, and kind of if the cream rises, you know, you get your shot and it might even be on like SEC Network Plus or whatever, you know, whatever they call it when you're showing other kinds of sports and whatever. So uh, the, the opportunities are far and wide now. They're everywhere. Uh, Syracuse, the hard part for me was in order to get cleared to air, you know, you show up freshman, freshman first week. Everyone hears about WAER, Marv Albert, Marty Glickman, Ian Eagle, Dick Stockton, Mike Tirico. I mean, all these great guys bob costas if i didn't say him of course the king Mm. and 120 people show up hoping to get one of 30 slots and out of those 30 they take eight and i remember celebrating when i was just one of the 30 writers in training and you got to show up at 4 45 a.m because if you don't show up on time the uh the feed with post-game sound from the previous night doesn't get recorded and all that stuff, I'm sure it's changed a little bit now with technology. You could just email links of everything, of course. Yeah. So it's uh, it's changed a lot, and I haven't even seen Newhouse 3 because every time I think they go up there or can go up there, it's already late May, and the students are gone, and the teachers are gone because uh, the semester's over. So you know, there's a lot to it, but I actually think someone could go and get a great degree somewhere else and then go there for a graduate program. Or, or get reps. It's all about reps. Get the reps in the summer somewhere else, too. Without a doubt. And that's a lesson that I try to impart on any student who asks me about getting into the business. It's get the opportunity behind the microphone. Do totally. it as often as you can. Be critical. Let somebody else listen to your work as well. And don't be afraid to work hard because that'll carry you a far way. F- funny that you mentioned that alumnus uh, or alumni group from from Syracuse. And you mentioned a good friend of mine, Ian Eagle. And of course, you know, Noah following in his heels, too. So the beat goes on both for the school and the family there. Uh, I think we've done a CBS, uh, certainly done a CBS promo here with all the mentions of those great broadcasters, including <laughs> yourself at the network. But that leads me to you mentioned Scranton at some point was a stop in your career, Adam. You know, what were some of the other stops? And then what was the big break as you stepped up to both CBS and CBS Sports Network? Well, you know, funny, like this part of the path is 
where you remind me what I tell people, which is, you know, the third most important thing is how good you are. The second most important thing is who you know, and the most important thing is timing. So after Syracuse, being there a year and a half, my job was actually eliminated on the TV side, even though I had the radio job as the host and sideline reporter for Syracuse football and basketball. The TV side job was eliminated by the station, the, the station's managing company called Granite Broadcasting. My boss loved me, but he couldn't keep me, and he helped me get a job in Scranton. I ended up in Scranton for three and a half years, and while I was there, I started looking for an agent after a couple years. And I signed with a company. I'm still with them, if management. And uh, the guy who was recruiting me is a guy who I actually went to college with. He was just a year younger, but he got into that side of it and he's still there. And so he bopped around a little bit. He was uh, managing athletes for a little while. Uh, and then he got hired by a place called CSTV, which was a startup. And they were looking for anchors for their New York operation, but not looking to hire people in the gazillions of dollars <laughs> a lot of New York sportscasters would expect. And so he called me up because, hey, look, I, I, I don't I don't I don't decide who gets this job, but I can put you in front of these people. You just got to come in, read some teleprompter and you'd be on your way. And I wasn't sure, like, you know, what is this thing? And and my my now wife and I just started dating and we never had the same days off. Usually didn't even have the same times of the day off. She was an overnight. Uh, she would produce a morning news show. So we never had the same days off, never had the same times off. We finally had a couple days lined up together. And this was the this was a late afternoon on the first day that was going to harpoon our little trip down the shore. <laughs> and I'll never forget my grandmother still with us telling me, you never know what this is going to be. You know, you go do it. They, they even they were paying us to come in and do it. They were going to use the video. And uh, I said, OK, you know, let's do it. It'll it'll pay for our little trip down the shore. So I went and did that. And uh, they hired me a few months later as one of their first hosts uh, at College Sports Television. The other one they hired was Greg Amsinger. And we were with them for a few years. And then CBS bought CSTV, created CBS Sports Network. Time goes on, different things happened, and uh, here I am now. But um, that was that was one of the big breaks for sure. Amazing. And, uh, and Greg's at MLB Network, as you probably know, I guess. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and Michelle Beadle was the other host with us. Event uh, a year in, she joined us, and we had this show called the Number One College Sports Show. And people at our place, who you know, dozens of people have stuck around from when CBS bought CSTV. And uh, so many of us still have some of the paraphernalia, the foam fingers, the, the wristbands, all sure. the stuff that says CSTV on it. Unbelievable. And that leads me to the next question now at CBS. Take us through uh, a day in the life on a, you get there early on a Saturday morning, I would think. You got a big slate of college football games. First of all, how many TVs are in the studios and, and the adjacent rooms that you're watching? And um, how do you keep track of all the shot sheets that you're getting handed when one game ends and another game ends and another game ends? Take us through one of those days. Oh, it's great. It's wild. Uh, it, there's a lot of coffee involved. Um, so I think what you said you wanted to know, first of all, is the number of TVs. So we have what are called TV trees. And there's two trees. Each of them have six TVs on them. And I have my desk monitor. So I can look at those TVs kind of all at once. We probably put the six most important games, I'd say, on one side. And then the next six on the other, uh, and that first six, that includes the game we're showing. 
And then I have a switchboard underneath my desk and it's like a little, like a little light up screen. And I touch the abbreviations, you know, so Clemson's playing Syracuse will say CLE dash SYR. I push that button and immediately the telecast is in the, in the monitor beneath my desk and the audio is in my ear, which is awesome. Uh. Uh, the thing I always have to remind myself is to what we call zero out, press control room 43 so that we are looking at our own source and hearing our producer and hearing the things on our air. Every now and then we'll forget and leave our game on in our ears and yeah. we'll hear all kinds of stuff going on. So uh, I get picked up for work prior on 8 a.m., get in by 9 a.m. on a typical day, uh, including this coming weekend. Uh, we have our meetings, makeup, uh, get your suit on. Usually there's a little lunch. And then we watch football games. We, we actually rehearse some things because we have to see how long it'll take to get from one side of the studio to the next with all the cameras and wires and cords and keeping it looking neat and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and you know, if there's an interview segment or we're running a feature on a kid and then talking about it, uh, we'll often look at it first because half the stuff in that realm will make you cry. Mm. So we get our, we get our tears out in advance because, mm. um, as real as it would be to, uh, get dusty on the air, it's also, you know, you know, it also, it almost looks like you're trying to make, uh, you know, make yourself part of it. So, uh, we might take a segment like that even. And then, uh, and then just kind of watch games for the rest of the time. And I have a blue card I keep on every game. And as things unfold in those games, my, my pregame notes are in black ink. My in-game notes are in blue or red ink, whatever discerns it. And then the shot sheets come out in a stack. And as something changes, they'll give us a new one. Or if it's while we're on the air or, or right before we do that highlight, you know, the producer will get in my ear and tell me what's up. The worst is when it's like a kicker who, whose name I've never said. And <laughs> it's not like one of our wheelhouse teams. And I'm suddenly like trying to say his name as I'm being told his name versus, you know, the quarterback on every team. If you can just, if I just see him doing something, I'm good. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot going on. If, if you had to do it every day, you'd die really young, but mm. you know, it's once a week. <laughs> Absolutely. So is it uh, Alabama and Clemson and everybody else this year? Is there no. any chance? Okay, good. Tell me, tell me what we should be looking for. And I'm not going to give you a list of 20 teams, though, either. You know. Thank, thank you. Um, you know, look, Clemson was on a revenge trip last year. They obviously almost had the loss to Syracuse. They weren't, they weren't as elite and as dominant in a lot of their games, especially before Trevor Lawrence took over, and then he got knocked out of the Syracuse game. People thought a little less of them when they gave up like 40 something points to South Carolina in, in the regular season finale. So Clemson and Alabama, kind of similarly, they still have their elite quarterback. They have elite receivers, and they're going to be elite in a lot of spots. But Clemson lost NFL defensive linemen up front. Alabama lost Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, two All-American offensive linemen. And then, you know, Mac Wilson left for the NFL. Dwayne, uh, Dylan Moses, who was going to be an, a preseason All-American linebacker, got hurt right before the season. So Alabama's got two freshmen at inside linebacker. And we saw how much their defense struggled at the end of last season anyway, mm. uh, whether it was against Auburn and then Georgia and, and in the playoff against Oklahoma down the stretch, Oklahoma was scoring at will. And then Clemson just annihilated him. It was the worst loss under Nick Saban ever. Uh, so Georgia joins the fold. LSU, based on that win at Texas, 
they moved up. I'm an AP top 25 voter. I actually had LSU at six to begin with. I didn't, I didn't actually move them. Uh, I thought what they did was amazing. I don't know that Texas was really elite, especially a defense that even though they beat Georgia, lost a bunch of guys from that team. I think they had three or four starters back. So that wasn't really the same defense. Jalen Hurts being at Oklahoma with a new defensive coordinator, if they can just allow like 30 a game <laughs> instead of whatever, like they got a shot at the title. And then Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State, to me, Chase Young's the number one pick in the, in the draft. And he's a, he's just a monster. He's like, I mean, he looks like the predator. <laughs> and then Justin Fields steps right in and is doing, he's more JT Barrett than Dwayne Haskins. So I think that there are really six teams contending for the national championship. Uh, two of them are in the SEC West, three of them in the SEC as a whole. Uh, Auburn had a huge win, obviously. Florida needs to get better to be a factor. I don't believe in Michigan at all. Uh, Utah... Utah just bothers me a little bit. Notre Dame looked really slow against Louisville. So I think there's a bit of a drop off uh, after those six, but at least it's six teams and not two that we're talking about. Well, that makes for an exciting run uh, to the national championship. Absolutely. And at here at More Sports Now, uh, we cover Rutgers. One of our other colleagues who's not with us tonight is a Rutgers graduate. We do a show called the RU Review, where Eric Legrand is a weekly guest, and we oh great yeah we sort of you know run run around uh, what's going on with the Rutgers program. And I tell you, they are uh, off- not much as you know. <laughs> we uh, we have they have a week off, and then next week they take on a Boston College team that is sort of a middling ACC team. It's not Matt Ryan at the helm. It's not Doug Flutie anymore. So. This is a game that Rutgers at home coming off a drubbing at Iowa really needs to win. Now, what do you think about Chris Ash? I mean, he's been there. This is his fourth year now. Is he the guy for this job or would there be any way that Nick Saban would be interested in taking this job? Just kidding. (laughs) I don't think. Or Urban Meyer. Yeah, just kidding. Come up with eight million. Yeah, right. Come up with eight million simoleons. Maybe. Maybe. Or Adam Zucker. 16 million simoleons. Oh, you're funny. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they already gave, what, how many acres of the uh, ecological preserve to Greg Ciano the first time? <laughs> That's so maybe right. They could, yeah. Maybe they could bring him back. Uh, well, I think Chris Ash is a great coach. Uh, I, You know, and Nick Saban will be the first one to tell you it takes players. And, you know, I remember growing up in New Jersey and thinking, I'm not going to go to Rutgers. And the Rutgers has become a great school. But I, th- I, for, I think the biggest problem is that a lot of kids just want to go somewhere else. And I, and I love New Jersey. But, you know, kids go to these other campuses and these other college towns and it's, oh, wow, you know, and uh, and goodbye. So they were, it was great when they had Sanu and Ray Rice. I mean, they've had guys go pro, the McCourties. They've had guys. Uh, but now making making a really big jump and being up against, you know, Michigan under Harbaugh, which obviously has had trouble beating Ohio State, but they're going to be OK against Rutgers. Penn State under James Franklin, you know, they... Case Paterno, Bill O'Brien stabilized everything, and now it's Franklin. Mike Locksley at Maryland racking up seventy points. I mean, I just think it would take like an literally would take like an Urban Meyer to make Rutgers elite, uh, competitive. You know, it, it's tough. Uh, you got to get the big boys in the trenches before you worry if you have the right quarterback, even too. And that's um, so yeah. Know a lot of people go quarterback first and look at the interceptions. And all this, to me, it's it's the sacks that are taken. It's it's trying to establish a running game. They went to the war before the shore last year uh, when they were home against Washington. They were in that game for a little while, but you know, 
the depth the depth shows up and then you just you just don't have the speed to keep up with the top top guys no and and you know Shiano was brilliant uh, it fell off when Kyle Flood took over and then they joined the Big Ten and they're running with the big dogs uh, for all that Greg did at Rutgers it was against somewhat lesser competition and when you're Absolutely. in and when you're in the east and you know you're going to face Ohio State Penn State Michigan Michigan State uh, it's you know to me Rutgers best hope honestly is they can figure it out a little bit become a little more competitive put more money into the program and then they become you know Purdue Illinois you know have a Illinois is a bad example but uh, but a team that'll win seven games eight games once in a while go to a bowl game and maybe in one of those years that are outliers you'll upset one of the big boys and you go to a slightly bigger bowl I mean that honestly that's the best hope for all dreams that they may have of being able to compete with the big boys it's just not going to happen big 10 teams have been trying to do that for a long time and they just fail it's it's you know it's it's an alpha conference no question look it was really cool that they had the 31 point second quarter against umass uh you know you look at their division and other than indiana everyone else in their division is ranked right now so you got maryland coming on strong with mike loxley who did not have a good track record but was the offensive coordinator at alabama for a couple of years it is tough, and they made two big conference affiliation jumps. I mean, I like I remember where I was the night Rutgers beat Louisville that that you know ten years ago or whatever twelve fifth whatever it was. It's pandemonium yeah. in Piscataway, everybody exactly, knows. Exactly, <laughs> man. I was at a Michael Franti concert in Poughkeepsie, New York when oh, that happened. Jeez, I knew exactly where I was. Unbelievable. So, and at the same time, academically, Rutgers is getting to the point where it's as hard to get into, not as hard as Northwestern, but you know beyond Wisconsin and some of these other places where it is possible to do it and and not have the elite recruiting classes that some of these other places have. So it, it's, look, it's definitely a challenge. Um, it would be awesome to see Rutgers just get, a, you know, a little more relevant. And that Boston College game is not, you know, really not even a, not a, not a snoozer thing. They beat Virginia Tech yeah. uh, last week. So, yes. you know, might be another long year, but I think it just, you also have to give, Guys like Chris Ash, you know, the time that it takes that, that maybe, you know, it takes a little longer than it does in other places. Yes. And speaking of time, Adam, we would like to thank you for your time joining us <laughs> tonight on the podcast. I know you have back to school night for your children to get back to. But I want to tell our listeners, you can look for Adam on Saturdays, the SEC on CBS. And he also does a two hour college football show that is every Tuesday night on CBS Sports Network, the cable channel. And again, Adam, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support of me attending back to school night throughout our uh, <laughs> throughout our dealings. I'm very excited. There's no air conditioning. It's a steamy night, and uh, hopefully we'll get a seat. Yeah, and we'd love to have you come back during college basketball season because I know you do the same thing when college hoops rolls around, and uh, we cover that here as well. Awesome. Book it. All right, Adam. Thanks very much. Be well. All right. You bet, guys. Thanks, Adam. And we'd like to thank again Adam Zucker from CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network for joining us and sort of breaking down a day in the life of what he does. It's a cool job. He's an in-studio host and um, a lot of games going on. Imagine that. He's getting paid to watch football and talk about football. It's a great way to make a living. I'm lucky to be in the similar realm covering hockey. Uh, what I wanted to ask him, uh, and uh, perhaps we'll do it on another occasion, is so he's got those cards that he referred to. The amount of work that must go in to creating those cards, to have the knowledge of all the big teams, 
and the clubs they're playing. It's pretty easy to know Alabama, Clemson, but you got to know the clubs they're playing that are not in the SEC, are not in the big conferences, especially early on. And uh, boy, it's it. People don't understand. It is not, and I think he detailed it certainly in a Saturday uh, day breakdown. You just don't show up in the studio. It is work. You've got to put in the time. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes people that are doing a lot of the heavy lifting that make the guys in front of the camera look really good. Well, sure that's true, but cap. but but people mistake if they think the hosts, the talent, oh, is yeah. not doing any work. No. That quickly is exposed. So yes, you do have a team of people helping you out. There's no question about it. But if you're not doing the work, it will show very quickly in your career unlike Adams, will not go very far. And, uh, you know, he's on an unbelievable trajectory. Absolutely. And again, we thank him for his time. Great. And again, that'll wrap up this week's edition of the podcast here at moresportsnow.com. I'm John McAlevey and Matt Lachlan joined us. Tune in next, next week where we'll have another edition and hopefully Steve Titchener, our third wheel, will join us. Thanks again. Good night. Good night.